0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a one of a kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. Welcome back to the afternoon shift on WBEZ with Mira Kogan. Uh, it has become my favorite part of the week. It, I, I enjoy getting up every day and realizing I can still walk. But I, my favorite part of the week is Curious City. I'm welcoming the senior producer of this uh, segment, Jennifer Brandel, is in here. WB reporter Robin Amer is in here with a special guest, Curious City. And I don't, you people love Curious City. I don't need to tell you what it is. You call in, you ask a question, and they go about finding out these great secrets of Chicago. Jen, hi, nice to see hi. you. Hi,
1: that's right. That's what we do, and we bring you along with us too. So when you ask a question, um, oftentimes you'll get to accompany us on a little bit of reporting. So in studio, our special guest that you mentioned is Miriam Reuter, and she asked us a question um, a few months ago, and What was that question, Miriam? My question was How has the uh, Chicago coastline changed over the decades?
0: Why would a kid from Cincinnati ask a question like that? I find it—I find that—I find it a wonderful, wonderful question, and I'm sure there was no easy answer, Robin. But why would you? What? What intrigued you?
1: Well, um, full disclosure: the question uh, was actually a friend of mine. more bouncing questions back and forth um, in
0: order to call Curious City. Yeah,
1: because I got the the. It's uh, now
0: the parlor bar game. Yeah. of Chicago. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, my friend came up with the question, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, that's right. I live right on the lake in Rogers Park. Park. I walk my dog on the lake all of the time. Um, I drive down Lakeshore Drive, you know, almost every day. And I was part of a sand volleyball team uh, on the lake. So I'm there a lot and I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the city.
0: So you just stole the question from someone else, but it's still a valid it's question. True. <laughs> How did you go about it? I, I find it a very intriguing question. Did you, Robin, too?
2: Oh, absolutely. I was thrilled when Curious City brought this to my attention. There's so many elements to answering it. I mean, there's the natural history of the coastline. There's the built history of the coastline. There's the fascinating political history of the coastline and all the struggles to determine what will or won't get built there. So uh, I was very excited to be part of this uh, answer team.
0: How'd you go about it at first? Photographs? I mean...
2: Yeah, we decided to take a very visual approach to this question, in part because I do a lot of multimedia work, but in part because it makes sense. Our, our associations with the Chicago coastline are largely visual. So uh, we tapped one of WBEZ's partner institutions, the Newberry, for help with this. And in August, Miriam and I went to the Newberry uh, and met with their curator of maps, Jim Ackerman, uh, and asked for his help to sort through some of the earliest maps of Chicago, which are at the Newberry. And so if you go to WBEZ.org right now or if you go to our Scribd account, you will actually see about half a dozen of these historic Chicago maps dating all the way back to 18. 18- 34 just after the city was founded and and you can see it you can look at these maps and say wow you know in 1858 for example uh we have a map from 1858 there it is it is obvious that um the coastline fluctuated from year to year because of the chicago river depositing sand there or that in 1898 um where we have a map of the downtown uh Michigan Avenue was the lakefront, whereas now there's all this parkland and Millennium Park and whatnot. Um, Michigan Avenue abutted the lake. So you can see step by step how the coastline has changed over time in I, these maps. I,
0: I can see in looking at you, your, your passion for this project. <laughs> I'm serious. And you too, uh, you too, Miriam Reuter, you must have gone crazy at the new barrier.
1: I had so much fun. It was a blast looking at all of these maps that I never would have gotten to see had I not asked the question. So,
0: so some of it is all just natural occurrences and others right. of it is Cap Street or in his stupid boat and silk <laughs> filling up and Lakeshore Drive.
2: Well, one of the most interesting things I learned uh, from this reporting, Rick, was that – I mean I think it's fair to say based on the people I interviewed that – there's almost no, quote-unquote, natural coastline left in Chicago that almost 100 percent of the lakefront is man-made in that it's la- it's landfill. It's land that didn't exist when the city was founded. We created it with dirt and rubble. Sometimes rubble from the Great Chicago Fire was used to create new land.
0: Robin, who did you interview for this? Who's an expert on this?
2: Well, I, I talked to a couple different historians Uh including uh, a woman named Lois Willie, who I know is an old friend of yours. One uh, of Pul- the great journalists of all time. Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter who uh, wrote a definitive history of the coastline called Forever Open, Free, and Clear. And uh, she was a real expert on the political history of the lakefront. We also talked to a woman named Julia Backrack, who is actually the official historian at uh, the Chicago Park District and is an expert on landscape architecture. So she was able to show us you know, how people's approach to creating these landscapes that looked natural, but which were actually man-made, changed over time. Who should we hear first? (laughs) Yeah, your choice, Robin. Who would you like to hear from? Well, I'd actually like to jump to another person I interviewed for this story first, if that's okay. Uh, And this is Mitch Murdoch, who manages the natural areas for the park district. And, And what I learned from Mitch was fascinating, which is that even if it looks "quote unquote" natural, when you go to the lakefront, everything is planned, everything is designed, everything is carefully managed. So here's Mitch describing just how much attention they pay to these "quote unquote" natural areas.
0: Strictly speaking, from uh, an ecological perspective, you know, nature is oftentimes just a, a random smattering of everything, whereas we want them to be a little bit more designed. Not that we're creating formal landscapes, but that it's actually something that's very intentional. In addition to desirable native species that you're going to get showing up, you're also going to get a whole heck of a lot of invasive and non-native species and non-desirable things showing up. You then have to manage the site in order to curb those and encourage the growth of the type of plants that you actually want to see there.
2: So Mitch and I talked about, for example, the, the dunes, Which, you know, I look at the dunes and I see sand with plants and I think, okay, there's just beaches here. But no, they go in and they they plant marum grass, which helps root the sand down, and they pull out all the cottonweed trees, which are an invasive species. They buy these plants from a nursery and bring them into the lakefront. It's, It's not just there. It's groomed.
0: So the politics involved in this, too, is very interesting because the Chicago Lakefront could have turned into Gary and Whiting and some of the other places. What did Lois Willie have to say about that? She obviously had something to say.
2: Right, absolutely. And and Lois's point was basically – and the point of her book is that – uh, the lakefront has always been the subject of struggle, that there have always been people who've wanted to build on the lakefront uh, – commerce, industry, the Illinois Central Railroad, which did McCormick get to – McCormick Place. McCormick Place. And and then there have been uh, preservationists, fans of open green space who said, you know what? No. Forever open, free and clear is how the lakefront should be. And, and you know, Lois wrote her book in 1972, just after the, um, you know, the various uh, political and social struggles of the 60s. And she watched all of these groups in Chicago, you know, fight development. But unfortunately, according to Lois, uh, the outcome of these struggles were very uneven.
0: But you notice who won? White neighborhoods. <laughs> the protesters in Hyde Park were, were mainly white not not all but mainly the protesters in Lincoln Park were white and influential the protesters for and behalf of Oak Street Beach were white and influential so it it was money and um
2: whiteness <laughs> that carried the day
0: Wow, that's a great quote. That's such a Chicago quote.
2: Exactly. It's like the, the history of the political struggle over the lakefront, I think, really is Chicago's history.
0: Miriam, are you pleased, Miriam Reuter, having asked that question, are you pleased with what you found out? Are you satisfied? Are you disappointed that it's not natural, that it's heavily influenced <laughs> by politics? How do you feel about this?
1: Uh, I'm absolutely satisfied. I think it uh, makes it even more interesting that it's influenced by politics and intrigue and lots of landfill.
0: <laughs> I do, too. Uh, uh, Robin A. Or you must feel so, too, that, that this makes it a much more fascinating story, don't you think?
2: Well, I'm an urban planning geek, and so for, to learn... All that I now know about uh, the struggle that went into shaping the lakefront, the design elements that went into shaping the, the lakefront, um, it makes me uh, love Chicago that much more. And if I may say, Robin wrote a really huge
1: 2,000-word beautiful article on our website. You can go learn everything that Robin learned on her trek, as well as check out maps and photos, uh, archival, great material on That's there. That's what
0: Curious City does so well. Miriam Reuter, good luck with your theatrical career here. Thanks for asking the question, Robin Amher. Great job. Thanks, Jen sir. Brandel, always a pleasure. Curious City is produced by Jennifer Brandel, WBZ and AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Lead financial support comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Now i have off to Membership Central, and I will talk to you tomorrow.